Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer, and welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Thursday, November 16th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, the Senate passes government funding. Number two, Speaker Mike Johnson works to build his fundraising list. And number three, Dems plot their next move on Senator Tommy Tuberville's military promotions hold. All right, let's get into it. It was a late night in the Capitol with the Senate clearing the House-passed stopgap funding bill, averting a potential government shutdown even after last-minute GOP objections forced a frantic round of negotiations over the annual defense authorization bill. The final vote, a blowout, 87 to 11. That came after several hours of closed-door talks over Senator Roger Wicker's ultimately successful effort to force lawmakers into a formal House-Senate conference on the National Defense Authorization Act. Congress has enacted the must-pass legislation every year since 1961. While the immediate priority was preventing a shutdown, senators will have their work cut out for them when they return to Washington in early December especially on the massive National Security Supplemental Package. While much of Congress's to-do list is kicked into January, there are a few items lawmakers want to or must address by the end of 2023. There's, of course, a supplemental for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan, and that will require a bipartisan deal on border policy changes in order to secure enough GOP support. Then there's the FAA reauthorization, FISA surveillance reauthorization, and, of course, the NDAA. Wicker, the top Republican on the Senate Armed Services Committee, believed this was his last chance to trigger a formal conference committee on the NDAA, which is traditionally how the two chambers reconcile their competing versions of the bill. Wicker's counterparts atop the House and Senate Armed Services panel were agnostic on the issue, especially considering the condensed timeline for finishing the legislation. But GOP defense hawks have long criticized Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer over how he's handled the annual defense policy bill over the years, arguing that he has not put enough priority on it. Wicker's push was a reflection of that. Senate Democrats ultimately were fine with acceding to Wicker's demands, but they warned that a formal House-Senate conference with all of its machinations would significantly increase the risk that the bill doesn't get done this year. Democrats also expect the conference itself to be a messy process given the polarizing issues at play in the House's NDAA package. If you'll remember, there are several conservative provisions in the House-passed bill, including things on the Pentagon's abortion policy to transgender medical care for troops, DE&I initiatives, and climate change. The House passed its bill largely on party lines, which is highly unusual for the NDAA. Only four House Democrats, all in tough districts, voted for the legislation. The Senate's version is more of a bipartisan product, as nothing can clear the chamber without getting 60 votes. The late-night Senate drama over the CR, which now heads to President Joe Biden's desk, showed the vast majority of senators had no intention or interest in shutdown gamesmanship. Yet across the Capitol, the debate over fiscal year 2024 funding bills and threats by hardline conservatives to use a shutdown to seek spending cuts and policy concessions exposed once again the huge fissures in the House Republican conference. 
Speaker Mike Johnson in office for just a few weeks hatched this plan to stagger funding deadlines for federal agencies in January and February. However, this infuriated conservative Republicans who helped propel Johnson into the speaker's chair only weeks ago. Just over half of the House GOP conference backed Johnson's proposal on Tuesday, while Democrats overwhelmingly voted yes. And on Wednesday, moderate and conservative House Republicans defeated the rule for the Commerce Justice Science Funding Bill, handing Johnson and other GOP leaders another stinging defeat, even as members streamed out of the Capitol for the holiday recess. The leadership faced similar setbacks on the agriculture, transportation HUD, and FSGG funding bills. Labor HHS, another hugely controversial spending package, hasn't gotten a floor vote yet. So yes, House Republicans have passed some of the less controversial bills during Johnson's tenure, including the legislative branch and energy and water measures. The House also passed a $14 billion Israel package offset by IRS funding cuts, which the White House strongly opposes and isn't going anywhere in the Senate. Going to be very interesting to see how both Senate Republicans and Republicans in the House come back after the recess if they're able to regroup and really push forward on some of these must-do or want-to-do packages before the end of the year, setting up a very busy December and an extremely important January as the funding cliff uh, basically just got pushed back by two months. Let's move on to the number two story of the morning. Speaker Mike Johnson has launched a blitz to grow his donor list. Here is an example. Since the beginning of November, Johnson has sent out two fundraising appeals for Representative Jen Kiggins, the Republican of Virginia and one of the most endangered House Republicans. But what happens when a potential donor goes out to shell out some money in response to Johnson's appeal for Kiggins? 1% of the contribution is routed to Mike Johnson for Louisiana, the Speaker's re-election campaign. Johnson takes a meaningless sliver of the contribution, 1% each time, but is then able to get access to the member's donors list for his own political purposes. This tactic isn't illegal or improper, but it highlights one of the realities of having a speaker with little to no political operation or assets. Johnson is relying on a broad swath of the House GOP to grow his national contact list to raise money. Of course, Johnson's predecessor, former Speaker Kevin McCarthy, had an extensive national donor network that he developed over years in leadership positions. Johnson, of course, is having to do this overnight. Other entities that are helping Johnson by issuing fundraising solicitations to steer that 1% to Johnson, they include the NRCC, House Majority Leader Steve Scalise, House Majority Whip Tom Emmer, House Republican Conference Chair Elise Stefanik, and others. Johnson's political team didn't respond to a request for comment on this tactic, and as we reported Wednesday night, Johnson and McCarthy attended a Congressional Leadership Fund event with donors, the first time they've done such a session together. It was part of the GOP effort to introduce Johnson to donors, this time focused on wealthy supporters. All right, let's go on to the number three story of the moment we are continuing to track Uh, Senator Tommy Tuberville and what his colleagues are going to do and if they actually end up rolling him when it comes to his nine-month blockade of military promotions. That blockade has sparked backlash from all corners of the Senate. And though he insists he's seriously considering several off-ramps that could end the standoff, 
it may be too little too late because Tuberville isn't in a hurry. Even as fellow Republicans have escalated their attacks on the Senate floor overnight and Democratic leaders say they won't wait much longer before forcing a vote on a resolution that would effectively crush the blockade. To be sure, Tuberville is weighing a number of GOP proposed ideas that would allow him to challenge the Pentagon's abortion policy while lifting his unprecedented holds. One option, which we scooped Tuesday, is to have conservative attorney Jay Sekulow and Speaker Mike Johnson file a lawsuit to invalidate the policy. The lawsuit idea, which Senator Lindsey Graham is organizing with Sekulow, would require the Speaker's buy-in because it increases the chances of success. Graham plans to speak with Johnson about it. There's a real strong possibility we could win this thing in court, Graham said, holding up military nominees who are innocent of all of this is not the right answer. Graham said Seculo told him that the House Speaker would have strong legal standing to challenge the abortion policy on the grounds that Congress never appropriated the use of funds for this purpose. Johnson's staff is discussing the idea, but also may be wary of the politics of aligning with Tuberville on an issue, abortion, that has been blamed for Republicans' recent election losses. Graham says he'll pursue it regardless of Tuberville's decision. Tuberville called the lawsuit a good option, but added it's going to take a while. This will be something we will continue to watch as senators return from the Thanksgiving recess. One quick note before I let you run. We do have an event this morning at 9 a.m. with Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, the Democrat from Nevada. We're going to be discussing news of the day, the state of health insurance and the future of Medicare. We'd love for you to join us in person or online, and you can go to our events hub at punchbowl.news to sign up for that. With that, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. If you like The Daily Punch, tell a friend, share it on social media. It's the best way for folks to find out about us. You can go deeper on all the issues I talked about this morning and more by signing up for our free morning newsletter. All it takes is an email. Go to punchbowl.news and put that in and you'll get us in your inbox Monday through Friday, every day before 6 a.m. Thanks so much and have a great day.